803 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Laddie just said that the flugelhorn sounds like a straw being pulled in and out of a lid of a cup. Not the flugelhorn, the little noise at the beginning. Oh, whatever it was. But now I can't unhear that. I love a good flugelhorn. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Jason's going to tell you about Kintech before we get to Chris Faber of Canucks Army, who's waiting patiently on the line. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I told you we had the goods. It He joins us now, Chris Faber, here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Fabes? Right on. We lose him already? Is he? Oh, he's on oh. the feed. Okay. Well, that was good. Way to go, guys. Or Fabes. It's not, I don't think it's their fault, is it? Um, so we're going to talk to Fabes about um, stuff. the Anaheim Ducks prospect group um, as it compares to what the Vancouver Canucks have. The Vancouver Canucks just re-signed Guillaume Brisebaugh, and we actually led the show with that. Yeah. In hindsight, a bit of regret. And good for Brisebaugh to get that contract. Um, he's going to make – I think Dolly reported this – uh, in year one, it's something like 300000 in the minors. And the second year of the contract is actually just a one-way contract. So he's going to get his NHL salary regardless of whether he's with the Canucks in the NHL or Abbotsford in the AHL. But I also think it draws eyeballs to the Canucks defensive prospects or lack thereof. So let's start that conversation now with Chris Faber. Fabes, how are you doing today? Good. I got cut off right when uh, right when Halford was like, "What up, Fabes?" I was like, "Hey, guys." So, uh, yeah, I think I'm back here now. You hopefully can hear me. We'll we'll blame that on on, on one of the dogs. They they probably pressed yeah. the wrong button. They probably didn't, but whatever. Let's blame it on. Can them. I can I dive in on the the straw thing real quick? Because I know you, I heard yep. Mike saying that before we came in here. The only spot that you can actually hear that sound because everybody's got paper straws except one fast food restaurant, and it's the best fast food restaurant. Arby's is like the only place you can get plastic straws. Still. Arby's so is still rocking you, plastic straws. The last oh, bastion for plastic straws. <laughs> <laughs> and they also like they really don't care about the environment because they're still doing the thing where they like, their straws are covered in paper as well. So like nice. they're doing the, the best best of both worlds out there. So every time I go, I grab about forty of them uh, on my way out, put them in the car. Where is an Arby's? Tawasson. Tawasson. Uh, you also have one in Aldergrove. Why so you got on a date night? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Just curious. It wouldn't be a it's date night. It would best. be like a solo. It would be like a solo shame night. Yeah. Hey, every time I take the ferry, I love it. Like, come back from the ferry. First place you stop is Arby's, man. It's the way to do it. Yeah, you get a, a shaved meat sandwich and 40 plastic straws. That's date night to me, folks. <laughs> uh Fabes, let's talk about this Anaheim team that comes into town tonight to play the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you're a prospects guy. When you look at what the Anaheim Ducks have, in terms of youth, both at the NHL level and at the already drafted level, do you see this as a can't-miss team, or do you still think they're a bit of a wild card going forward? 
Uh, I'd say a little bit of a wild card. Like, I think they have a pretty deep prospect pool, but it's not like they have, you know, and I think I heard you guys mention this earlier, but it's like, it's not like they have Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson type players coming, right? Like they have some, some really good young players. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie Drysdale is very impressive. Mason McTavish is very impressive. Um, the goaltending, like, uh, I, you know, John Gibson's still not even 30, so maybe you have a few more good years out of him unless they just continue to, like, ask him to carry the world and, and also the moon. Like, I, I think it's it's an interesting franchise, but it's like they – if you guys remember that tweet from Harmon Dial, like, uh, last week where it was like, the Canucks, for the first time in history, are going to have seven picks in the first four rounds. Well, the Ducks have that over the next two years, so they are going to get even better when it comes to that prospect pool, and the fact that they're legitimately – you know, committed to a rebuild gives them a lot of options to, you know, have a really good draft this summer and then go go into next year and potentially move some of those picks to sort of speed things up like we've seen the Canucks do for the last eight years or so. But that that spot where you kind of look at the Ducks and you think like, okay, do they have game breakers there? Like not necessarily, I don't think, in their mm-hmm. prospect pool. So they're they're I'd say somewhat of a wild card. It's not like they're set in stone and have these top tier guys coming, but that could all very much change with a Connor Bedard or a Leo Carlson or Matt Vay Mitchkov. If you, you know, I think the ducks are an interesting one for, for Mitchkov. Cause I do think they could have some patience. They've been decently patient enough here four years from now. They, they could be adding a Mitchkov if they end up picking kind of in the four or five spots. So uh, a game breaker would make a huge difference on this team, but as a base prospect pool, I think they're pretty strong. Like top, top third of the league, I'd say for sure. Are you um, in the camp that says there's five studs in this draft, and then after that, it depends on your opinion? Yeah, maybe even six. Like, I, I think Zach Benson, Will Smith are kind of the five, six guys, right? Like, I, I think right. they can both be in the conversation. Uh, Will Smith, it's a tough one, right? Because that, that United States national team, it's almost like the depending on the year you have to look at their numbers and look at how they play and kind of determine like how good that national team was uh, when they're matching up against other teams in the USHL. Like it's, it's so weird that that team just plays against like, it's like an all-star team. It's basically like the Globetrotters running through, you know, the USHL. It's a very weird situation for me. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to kind of judge, but I I think a lot of the stuff that you've seen Will Smith do at the national level is or international play is, is pretty impressive. But I, I do think there is quite a drop off after six. Like I, I think you can go top five depending on who you like out of Benson or Smith there. But I, I would go with six, and then there's like a, a little bit of a smaller tier after that, and then it's like, okay, am I going to draft a defenseman? That kind of happens around nine plus. Like from there on, I really think like nine to twenty five is it could go anyway. Like there's not a guy that I can say for sure is going to be like the 10th overall pick in this draft. Cause it's so wide open. Who will be the first defenseman off the board and where do you think he'll go? Yeah, I think it's going to be David Reinbacker. Uh, I think it's going to be the big right shot guy out of the Swiss league. I, I believe he's, he, I think he's, he's still pretty high up in the rankings. If you look around kind of the, the scouting sites right now, I think he's still in some people's twenties. He's still outside of the first round in some, I really think he's going to be the player that, that really goes up uh, as this draft approaches. I've been watching, well, I put out a thing on Canucks army about him a couple weeks ago, uh, but Axel Sandine Pelika is kind of the other name that's mentioned out there quite often. He's the, the right shot guy out of Sweden. He's had a horrendous play 
uh, stretch of play here ever since the World Juniors. Like, he's just not playing a lot in the SHL. He's still having success in the J20, but he looked really good before the World Juniors at the SHL level for a 17, 18-year-old kid, and that's damn impressive to do, especially as a defenseman. But he has not looked good since the World Juniors, so though a lot of people started to kind of rank him pretty high as we kind of saw a lot of rankings come out around the World Juniors, I, I do really think uh, Sandine Pellick is going to drop a lot. Um, though he's a right-shot defenseman, some teams probably still going to take him in the top 18. Uh, but I do think David Reinbacker has the potential to go top 10 because he's big body, right-shot guy. Uh, and just, you know, I watched every single one of his 46 games. Uh, he is uh, he's very impressive in that Swiss League. And that Swiss League's fun. Like, uh, there's a reason Vertana didn't have success. You have to skate really hard and work really hard in that league and be a good forechecker. Like, it's it's a good league for for defensemen to develop in because I really think you got to be able to move the puck and you have to be able to deal with a four check and the six foot three Rhinebacker did a really good job of that this year. Fabes, I know most people are generally on the best player available um, philosophy. Like just don't overthink it. Who's the best player and you take that player. Is there an argument to be made though that teams should be overweighting drafting defensemen? Yeah, and it'll probably piss off 90% of the listeners here, but yeah, I totally think you should. I think the Canucks in this most recent draft took the best player available, the best player who showcased that they had a lot of skill as a hockey player in the, the draft year that we just saw at 15 was Jonathan LeCaramacchi. It absolutely was. Um, I think he was the best player at the U18s. He was one of the best players throughout his time in the J20 leagues. He scored a lot in the SHL. He was the best player available at 15. And when I was there and at the draft, I tweeted out that I the Canucks should sprint to the stage and take Jonathan LeCaramacchi because he is the best player available. And he probably is a top 10 talent when you're judging the draft on the best player available. That obviously has not shown well this season. And you start to look around the league and you see these other players that were drafted and you're thinking, okay, like the Canucks could have really boosted their defense prospect pipeline by taking one of these big, you know, left shot defensemen that they had in the draft. They had a pair of six foot five guys. They had some right shot guys. Like they had centers of that, like Yuri Kulik is a good example. A guy who was drafted like 26 overall by the Sabres and he ends up ripping up the AHL. He's like top 10 in, or top 15 in AHL scoring right now as an 18 year old kid. And he was a center that, you know, I really like for the Canucks at 15 because I didn't think LeCaramacchi would be there, but I, I like I absolutely think that you can have that argument. You just can't reach, right? Like if anybody else yeah. is in the conversation, mm -hmm. you can absolutely go that direction. So say the Canucks are picking 10th. It's really wide open. It's more about like you could take the best player available and the best player at 10 might be, you know, Braden Yeager out of Moose Jaw or potentially like Oliver Moore from the United States national team. But to me, like you're you're really going to have a player that you feel a lot better about bringing into your franchise with a Rhinebacker or a Sandine Pelica because you're adding that right shot defense where you're not going to find this player who has this high of a potential to be, you know, top pairing guy. You're just not going to find him on free agency or in the trade market. So I think it's okay to not necessarily reach, but at least have a conversation about, hey, he might not be the the best player available or a showcase the best in this draft, but he's the best for our franchise right now. And it's just, it's hard because you don't want to do the reaching thing like the Canucks did with Yolevi. So yes, that um, is that is the one the thing. difficult part. Yeah, that's the one thing that people will push back on. And you can get into this endless debate where you're just going around in circles going, but, 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 but. So, you know, people will say like, uh, you know, well, the, the Canucks reach for a defenseman. Uh, with Ole Levy and look how that panned out. 
But then my counter argument to, to that would be, well, look at the position they're in right now. They don't have enough young d- defensive prospects. So maybe I, I more think about overweighting selecting defensemen in, in the later rounds as opposed to the first round where – you know, you're looking at guys and going, yeah, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to reach for a defenseman, and you end up, oh, okay, so the Canucks drafted you, Levy, and because they felt like they had a power forward in the organization in Jake Vertan, and maybe that's the reason why they don't go for a guy like Matthew Kachuk, and you see how that works out, like it worked out awfully for the Vancouver Canucks, but I still feel like in the later rounds where you can really find some good defensemen. That's where you'd have to have the conversation about, like, what's our future? Because this is the situation that the Canucks are finding themselves in. They have to pay big to get these defensemen, youngest defensemen in the door. It's the same situation that Edmonton was in when they traded away Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. There aren't enough good young defensemen to go around. So there's an argument to be made that you've got to look at your draft board and go, at the end of this draft – we better end up with some defensemen because if we just take the best player available and it's all forwards, then we're screwed for the future. I, I would basically pick everything after the third round of defensemen and then you let Ian Clark pick a goalie in the fifth or sixth round. Like that's I would not draft forwards after round three pretty much unless unless you believe that there is a player that you have ranked in your top 50 that is slid out. And that would be the only way I would draft a forward outside of the pretty much like... A, I think the second round, you can take a swing, right? You can take a swing on a guy that you believe is for sure a first rounder. That's where you should swing there. But I, I would have no problem with the Canucks drafting right D in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. That's it. Like, why not? Because where else are you going to find right D? You're, you're just, you're not going to find them, right? Like, it is the most difficult position in hockey right now to find. Is if you draft and just go that direction, I would have no problem with it. Like, the what was it? The one draft for... The Canucks went completely. Was it 2019? They didn't draft a defenseman. Yes, and, that, and, and I, mean, I was like was screaming, wild. and people were like, "God's oh, best player available." I'm like, "Okay, we'll see." <laughs> yeah, I mean, the best player. I mean, they got Pod Colson and Huglander in that draft, and that's the type of way that I think you should like the first two picks in that draft, absolutely. But when you're sitting there and you come up in the fourth round, and you have three picks in the sixth round, and all these things, like. You gotta go out and find a defenseman. It is, it's, it's unbelievable to think that they went into that draft and didn't pick a, you know, with nine picks in the draft, Insane. not to select one Insanity. defenseman. It's and now you look at where the organization is, and I'm not blaming the 2019 draft just for this, but you need to have these defensemen in your system and and add it to the prospect pipeline because now you look and it's like, well, which defenseman's coming? Which defenseman is coming to help this team? And you can't really think of one that's like a big impact player aside from maybe Elias Pettersson. Uh, and that's going to be if he really hits his ceiling at some point. So, yeah, I, I would I have no problem re- not necessarily reaching, but at least if, if a defenseman is in the conversation and you're a franchise that needs a defenseman, I think you take the defenseman. I think that's the way that you should do unless you're like a top five pick and it's oh, these are the top five guys. They're all forwards. Take a forward then. Take one of those five guys if you're there. But I have no problem having a, a real conversation about, hey, we're going to take this defenseman who's in the same group of talent as a forward, even though the forward's the best player available, because the Canucks just did that with LeCaramacchi, and it's not looking great so far. We're speaking to Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Fabes, I want to tie this back to the Canucks organization and prospects within it. Uh, I want to go to Abbotsford. 
I want to discuss Linus Carlson for a moment here because I, I think I somehow convinced myself that he should get a shot this season at the NHL level based on a few things. So one, uh, he's got the team leading 17 goals this year. I think he's also leads them in game winners. Uh, he's on the verge of setting a rookie scoring record, but I'm going with this last year. He wins uh, rookie of the year in Sweden. And if you look at the guys that have done that, the last five of them are all in the NHL right now. I think it's Eklund in San Jose Froden. Who's now with Seattle Bemstrom who's with, um, Columbus, and then, of course, Elias Pettersson. So I'm looking at this, I'm saying the kid has definitely ticked a lot of boxes. He's shown that he's been able to excel at every level they've put him in. I just wonder if the next step, given where the Canucks are at this year, you know, the, the, the games don't mean an awful lot. Am I, am I wrong in suggesting that he should, or has at least earned the opportunity to get a look at the NHL level? No, absolutely not. You're, you're bang on. I mean, he's he's played to a different game and, and I talked to Ryan Johnson on Monday and Linus was one of the players that we touched on uh, and talked about for maybe 10 minutes or so just about him because this is a situation where and when RJ was talking about some of these players he talked about Archie Baines and Linus Carlson as guys who had a lot of success in another league but it's a difficult conversation to bring that player into this AHL team and be like hey not necessarily throw all that out the window, but we need to build you back up as a hockey player again. And Linus Carlson in the SHL last year scored a hell of a lot of goals on the power play. He was not extremely effective at five on five. His skating looked like a little bit of a worry. And honestly, I didn't think he would have this much success in the AHL. I thought he'd be a, a power play scorer. I, I had no doubts in my mind that he was going to score power play goals, but I didn't know that he was tough and I didn't know that he could forecheck and I didn't know that his reach was that impressive and able to, you know, utilize it when he's forechecking or in the neutral zone, breaking up passes. He's doing a lot of things really at a high level in the AHL and it looks great, but I do think there's still some questions about his, his pace and his skating and that's what's going to hold him back from the NHL. But now that you see him, kind of uh, adjust now to the North American game, play in the AHL and be able to use his brain and, and that instead of kind of his skates and be able to move around the ice. Like he's he's a smart player who does a really good job of, of just being in the right position at all times. And I think that's what's been great for him so far this year. I have no doubt in my mind that he's, I mean, aside from Niels Huglander, right? Like Linus Carlson is the next best NHL level player right now, probably on Abbotsford. He's scoring a lot of big clutch goals for this team. And he he's in a role where he's like, he's playing a lot tougher than I thought. And I really have been impressed with that. Like people have asked me all season long, like, why is he always wearing the bubble? It's like, cause he keeps getting in fights with guys like after the whistle. And like, <laughs> he's always like, I don't know, maybe he's got like, his skin's just always getting cut open. And then it's like, ah, oh, here comes the bubble again. Like he gets two games in and then he gets in a scrum and he doesn't have it anymore. So it's, he's been very impressive because he's not the player I thought he was. And I, and I think that's because the Canucks did challenge him to change his game, reinvent his game and through it all with how tough he's playing in the AHL. He's one of the only guys on that team that has not missed a game. He's played in every single AHL game for the Abbotsford Canucks this season and kind of everything that you could have asked for him in the AHL this year, he's done. So I completely think he's deserving of an NHL run here um, just to see what he looks like. And what is, I mean, we saw we saw Lane Peterson come up here and have success with Elias Pettersson. I'm curious if Carlson might get that shot if we start to see Bavillier or Kuzmenko struggle a little bit. Like they have the option to just get this guy to drive in from Abbotsford and come play on a line with Elias Pettersson, see how it looks. Because I don't think there's a problem with Carlson's finishing ability it's it's just going to be skating and how does he look 
I think that's the other thing. It's like he his skating has been questioned. It was questioned in the SHL, but he came over to the AHL, and because he's such a smart player, you haven't had to worry about the skating because his positioning has been so good. So I'm curious if he can do that at a similar degree in the NHL because uh, the other thing about Carlson that I love is, like, there's always been questioned, like, he, he came into the Alsvenskan and everyone was like, oh, like, is he going to fit in this league? And like, he was excellent, was crushing it in the Alsvenskan. Then last year in the SHL, you mentioned it, rookie of the year, but everyone's like, oh, it's another league. It's going to be tough for him to adjust. And he did it. And this year, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be tough for him to come to North America and play pro hockey, but he's done it. He looks good. Like he keeps proving everyone wrong. So mm. I think, I wonder if he can do that all the way up to the NHL. It'd be a hell of a run for him to go to like four different leagues and three different years and dominate all three of them because uh, the opportunity is there and it would absolutely be an awesome story to see happen this You season. have to give those guys an opportunity. You have to. When, yeah. they, when they go through leagues and they meet the challenges that are given to them, you have to give them an opportunity at the next level. Um, I know these aren't front burner issues for the Canucks who will probably still be looking for another top four defenseman this off season, or maybe even two, uh, defensemen, but with the Canucks re-signing Brisebois to a two year deal, um, I'm looking at their cap friendly page and I see Kyle Burroughs pending UFA. And I think a lot of fans appreciate what Burroughs brings to the team, uh, in terms of toughness. And then I also see Christian Wolanin pending UFA, and I think a lot of people have appreciated what Wolanin has brought to the Canucks, and certainly I'm sure Abbotsford appreciated what Wolanin brought to the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, do you expect to see those guys back in the organization next season? Yeah, I sure hope that both of them are. I mean, for for different reasons too, like you just mentioned, like fans love Kyle Burroughs. He's a excellent seventh defenseman, I think, in the NHL, kind of kind of leaning towards the Canucks probably have had some conversations hopefully because the fact that he didn't get traded at the deadline as a 27 year old who's making league minimum probably means that the Canucks want to probably keep him around as well I'm a little surprised to see the Breezeball deal to be 100% honest come down here first uh I, I think with Willane and he obviously has impressed like he's been kind of the second defenseman used in overtime after Quinn Hughes so both players have some sort of skill that I think can be used on a third pairing and the interesting thing there is like One's a left shot guy. One's a right shot guy. One plays physical. One can move the puck. And it's like, okay, get them both then and have them in the mix to be seventh defenseman slash guys on your third pairing. And you need a left shot guy who can move the puck. You got Will and you got a right shot guy who can bring some toughness and, you know, give his all every night for your team and work really hard and, you know, have a high dog rating every single night. Like that's Kyle Burroughs. So good option for you to kind of use in your six, seven, eight spot. I, Think th I don't think they're asking for one point five million dollars each either. Like they're they're probably coming in at one point five together as a pair. So yeah. uh, I think it's a great option for the Canucks because yes, they're not going to be, you know, they aren't prospects who are twenty one years old and are going to be excellent for you in three years. They're just going to keep doing their job. And Wolanin, I think, I think he's he's battled a lot of things, kind of injury wise, COVID wise, that hasn't given him a real chance to showcase what type of player he is from the age of like twenty four to twenty seven, which is for a lot of defensemen, I think when they figure out, like they figure out what type type of player they are, and I think Will Landon's at that point now where he's figured out what he does well. He's had success at the AHL level. He's having success at the NHL in my eyes. So I think you want to bring a player like that back because I think he's figured out what will give him success at the NHL level right now, and you want to have that success on your team at league minimum. Like why the hell not? So I, I think it should absolutely be a priority to get these two guys added to bolster the depth of your defense anyways. Fabes, you're awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy. Well, I guess we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. 
Yeah, you betcha. I don't know what I'll talk. I'll Whatever. get the text from from uh, yeah from Andy, and then yeah. uh, we'll roll into it. And then we'll it. have get connection issues, before. and then we'll eventually have a good conversation like we had today. Enjoy, yeah, exactly. buddy. So you betcha. See you guys. That was Chris Faber, one of our best guests, I think. I love when Fabes. he doesn't sleep in. I love Fabes. When he doesn't sleep in. When he's able to connect. Uh, get your What We Learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you. Three. Not just one. Not just two. Three. In Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Get your What We Learns. Use the ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the competition to win tickets to tonight's game at Rogers Arena between the Anaheim Ducks and the Vancouver Canucks. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The Canucks should have really boosted their defense prospect pipeline. What a freaking boost. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.33 on a Wednesday. Drop that beat. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three, we're right smack in the middle of it. We got a big final half hour of the show. We got to do humanoid. What we learned is we need to give away a pair of tickets to tonight's Canucks Ducks game, seven o'clock Rogers Arena. It's called the Canucks game. Canucks. Just thinking about it. Doesn't sound right. Uh, hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Have we given away the tickets? Eight. I saw a text come through. Is that from you? What's going on here? That's nothing to do with it. No. Nope. Okay. You picked the winner. I did already. Uh, congratulations to Lenny on the hill. One, I don't know what the hill is. Two, I hope that Lenny has a best friend named Carl that he's bringing to the game tonight. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be great. Lenny <laughs> writes, hashtag WWL, what we learned. Handicap the odds has become the new talk about question for yeah. interviews. Mm. I feel like I hear Bruff ask it once a show. Now handicap the odds that I get these tickets. Lenny, if you respond, you got the tickets, bro. And uh, 100%. Would... You're, the, you're the favorite. 100%. You're the, you're the that guy. You're going to get the tickets. Maybe, was, maybe he's on the hill, on a hill right now because mm-hmm. there's could, better reception on a hill. He could and be he's going to roll down to get those tickets. Yeah. Um, I don't think you use handicap the odds that much. I do. do I do. Yeah, no. yeah. I'm self-aware, unlike some people on this show. Mm-hmm. There's two people on this show. Yep. Um, yeah, I've, I've noticed. I, I, li- I like... I like that though. I I like questions that are like, is it formulaic? This, is it this or that? And that's why I get so many people say that's a great question because they actually have to think about the question. And oftentimes they're thinking, that's not such a great question, but I haven't thought of this, so now I've got to think about it. They're de- they're delaying their response by praising me and knowing that I'm going to get like a big ego because of it. Should have handicapped the odds and how long it took him to pat himself on the back. They didn't teach you that in journalism school, no, did they? No, they didn't. Halford. They really didn't. Anyway, congrats to Lenny. On the hill, you are going to the Canucks and Ducks game tonight, 7 o'clock from Whoa, Rogers Arena. Lenny! <laughs> yes, you, Lenny. Uh, did we find the thought matrix for Lenny? No, we didn't, did we? Or did we? Nah, there we go. Uh, okay. Basketball fill with what we learned. It's tournament time. 
The BC High School Basketball Championship Tournament is starting in Langley right now at the LEC. It's a great event. Go support it. Number one seed, Semiamu. The T-Birds. So we got... Vancouver uh, College is the three seed. St. George's is number four. Wow. Oh, I guess I'm going to go... I'm going to cheer for Oak Bay at number two. Are you? Yeah. Are you now? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very interesting here. What's interesting? What's interesting? You can just Um, say that and then not say anything. No, that uh, there's uh, two teams in the top six... From outside the lower mainland. So you got Oak Bay and Victoria, Kelowna from the Okanagan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just scrolling through right now, right? I'm just, I was trying to see where Burnaby South was. Perennial, the, the perennial num- Burnaby powerhouse, Burnaby South. The number 16 team, so the biggest underdog, Mount Baker. And they're going to be playing Semi Amu uh, this morning at the LEC. So go support that. And I hope I've affinited some of you with my blah, Semi Amu uh, or St. George's or Surrey guy? VC. Uh, you know, you just have friends that go to semi or went to semi 600 years ago and you still just don't like them. It's good you know? to see those, don't like them. Th- those plucky underdog schools like Vancouver College and St. George's rising up yeah. to compete among the elite. Th- they could barely afford shoes. <laughs> Did you know that? Dempster uh, Dan with a What We Learned. A month from today, the Masters will be on and it will be moving day. Spring is finally right around the corner. Oh, yes, it is. When's the Masters? It's in April. How do you not know that it's in April? No, I meant like what actual dates. I know it's in April. I don't have the month. The to- oh, the I thought that's what the text top was of about. My head. Yeah, it was can, just... I, can I ask a March Madness question? Yes. Why does it end in April? It's a long tournament. <laughs> they keep expanding the field. Well, why is it's yeah. March now? Why aren't they playing games? Uh, uh, they're into their conference tournaments. Oh, laddie. they can't start Obviously. that a little sooner. Duh, duh. I would just I, always blows my mind. Like, the March Madness finale. It's. In I mean, April. the majority of the tournament takes place in March. This is yeah. prime madness time, though. They should be extending the madness. Mm-hmm. Well, but the, mad- the, the madness is in March because the madness really is the first few rounds of March mm. madness. If you get into the final four, it's less mad. It's not as mad. It's yeah. more it an April thing. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, getting into the tournament is part of the madness. Qualifying for the tournament, that takes part before the tournament, mm-hmm. which happens also in Smarch. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, uh, did you want to add anything on, on the Masters there? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Uh, Engineer Andrew, hashtag WWL, what we learned. The sun, something we don't get to experience much here in Vancouver, <laughs> is a real force to be reckoned with in the Grapefruit League. I watched the Blue Jays game for 10 minutes yesterday morning, and there were three popped singles that were close to smashing guys in the face. <laughs> One of the more underrated parts of spring training, it is bright. It is very bright. I do love a good losing it in the lights or losing it in the sun yeah. blooper. They'll never get never get tired for me, never get boring. I love seeing a professional athlete mm-hmm. completely unglued. He's like, I, I don't know where the ball is right now. I love that like, half-second realization when you're watching him and you're like, he doesn't know he where the ball is. Where it is. <laughs> he doesn't know where it is. It, yeah. I don't know which one I like more. I think I like the one where the ball lands approximately 80 feet away from him. So he's like, oh, he really misjudged that one. When it lands close to him, it's like, oh, he almost got it, right? But where he's like... Oh, I think it's funnier when it's close. Like, it's like right next to him. The one where he runs in to second base to catch a pop fly and it lands close to the track. I'm like, that guy really misjudged that in the lights. I was the king of doing that in Little League. You came in too much? Yeah, I would always... uh, So the, 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 uh, the rule is take two steps back. Or at the very least, don't run in first. Don't it's let true. that be your 
be your initial reaction. We had our little league draft last night, so we were going through all the things that we're going to have to teach the kids. And the first one is don't immediately react to hearing the ball come off the bat by running in. <laughs> it's a natural reaction, right? It's like a dog chasing a tennis first ball. First step is always back. Yeah, they they're always like, oh, I got to get it. Oh, that, that uh, feeling of being like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. Ah, crap. <laughs> it's over my head again. Uh, Kevin and Maple Ridge, what we learned, I learned from Chris Faber that everything the Canucks have done lately at the draft is wrong whether they take the best available player or prioritize defense, they get it wrong. I mean, when it comes to defensemen, except for Quinn Hughes, who fell to the Canucks, and it was like obvious. Uh, everyone at home was like, now draft Quinn Hughes, mm-hmm. right? That wasn't, you know, I, I, give, I give the Canucks much more credit for drafting Pedersen than drafting um, – Quinn Hughes, because I think Pedersen wasn't such an obvious pick at the time. And I know there were discussions within the Canucks, whether it should have been Pedersen or Glass. Like, I don't think there was any discussion when Hughes fell to them. I was like, boom, take that guy. Yep. Um, But otherwise, what have they done well in terms of the draft when it comes to drafting defensemen? You know, they reached or went for the first defenseman off the board with Ole Ulevi when a lot of people were screaming at them to draft Matthew Kachuk. That did not pan out well. And then Faber brought this up, the 2019 draft, when they didn't prioritize defense at all, even though they could look at their organization and go, we got a problem on defense, guys. We got to find some defensemen. They had nine picks. They didn't take a single defenseman. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that story didn't get that much attention. I was the only one kind of like yelling about it at the time. I was like, we need defensemen. And now you're yelling about it again. But there's people that were like, you just take the best player available. But I think you have to actually um, question that theory or question that law of taking the best player available when there is a scarcity of defensemen in the NHL. But couldn't you trade the best player available for the piece? In theory, man. But like that's why I disagree. But try, but try trading a good winger for a good defenseman now. Well, I'm talking the team with the good defenseman is going to be like no. If you tra- if you draft the best player available at your position, assuming you're at a very high position, mm-hmm. chances are even if he's a winger, he's going to be really really good and coveted because in of his theory skill. it works. But there are there are teams that would hold on to a defenseman who is less good than that theoretical winger, like overall, because they're like we need defense. There's no defenseman out there, and there's lots of wingers. Um I, I think what he's the, – the specific point that he's talking about is that year where they drafted nine times and they didn't take a single defenseman. That's egregious in retrospect. Uh, what we learned, it's actually on the TV right now. Um, yesterday's Champions League, did you see what happened? Chelsea and Dortmund. So Chelsea was – I did de- see that. Yeah. Che- Chelsea was desperate, desperate, desperate to win this match because their season has been so abysmal and they've spent approximately $6 billion on players – and they've had an awful year in England. This was the one way to salvage it. They were down 1-0 to Dortmund after the first leg. They even it up at 1. Then they get a super, super questionable penalty call just to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's a handball. The defender's hand was basically down by his side. It struck his hand. I'd, it was very questionable. Kai Havertz steps up for Chelsea to take the penalty. Rings it off the post. So a lot of people in that moment are thinking... Karma has played out. The soccer gods have justified it. It wasn't meant to be a penalty, and he missed it. Right. Then VAR stepped in, <laughs> alleging 
that the Dortmund keeper moved early on the shot. One had nothing to do with the run of play. All he did was go the wrong way. Havertz went the other way and just put it off the post. Like, the goalie's movement had nothing to do with the shot going in or not. Wasn't it a violation into the box? That that was, I it was the keeper was the, on the line. I, are you sure? I'm pretty are sure. Are you 100% sure? I'm pretty sure because that's what I thought. I, I, I thought it was the uh, players had, um, because it was a slow run-up to the ball, some of the players had come into the 18-yard box, like almost like a lane violation in the NBA. And we all know in the NBA, they You're don't. Right, sorry. They, they don't. It was, they, it was yeah. the retake. It was. It was the retake was for uh, the Dortmund players encroaching. You're right. Right, and and yeah. and don't a lot of the times in soccer, you're gonna have to speak for me on both these issues because uh, the NBA do they they don't call lane violations on free throws like they don't they're not strict about that are they, they strict call, about they, they wouldn't call a lane violation yeah. in a Champions League round of sixteen knockout or whatever it was right uh, anyway the the whole thing was sort of the and I apologize for getting it mixed up with the keeper off the line and everything but the whole thing was sort of the worst of VAR coming out in real time where it almost felt like you were looking for reasons to make changes when there didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Do you, get, you get what I'm saying? Like sometimes there are very obvious and blatant moments in a match or right. in, in any game where you need to review it because it was, that was agreed. These two moments you're just looking and you're saying, are we searching out <laughs> incidents as opposed to reviewing the ones that need to be reviewed? Do you think Jude Bellingham was like, I got to get to England. He Those call- guys get all the calls. Yeah, he called it a joke in the aftermath. He yeah. was very upset with it. So anyway, I wanted to do that. I also wanted to do John and Camby Village. Uh, hashtag WWO, what we learned. I learned that I love how Bruff's voice goes into a hush whisper whenever he talks about the Masters. You do kind of channel your inner... Jim Nance when you do that. And now we go from the Canucks to the Masters, which is very important. <laughs> uh, you see Four special he, days. He just has such reverence Augusta, for it. Georgia. Did you see uh, Full Swing? Nice. Oh, been... this is the best music. This is the best. This is the official music of an afternoon nap on the couch. It's spring, and the sun is peeking through the curtains. And you just fall quietly asleep on the couch watching the best players in the world and the azaleas don't forget about the azaleas so you fall asleep watching the masters this is how you're selling it to people it's a pretty great day nothing I've, beats watching the masters i don't like Sat- the saturday is the, the nap day yeah even though it's moving day sunday you have to watch and then sunday you actually got to watch it oh. i don't even particularly like watching golf but i do like napping mm-hmm. so i find that the nice balance of the two um i do like watching full swing it's not even that great. Yeah. I, just, I don't know why I'm compelled by it, but I've watched almost the entire first season. It just got renewed for season two. That's I why saw I'm bringing that, yeah. it up. Yeah. I uh, didn't expect that you'd get through it before I would. I'm not, I watched the first one, and then I was like, Should we get their like, producer eh. back on? Like, we didn't really like the first season <laughs> that much, but we noticed you renewed, so people seem to be watching. Here are some it. changes. That but I, I do like it. It's just, I think. I think they just didn't, they didn't, they didn't uh, draw me in with the first episode. Like, it was about Spieth and uh, Justin Thomas. And I'm like, yeah, they're buddies. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't great. I I do. I mean, I think maybe the reason that I've glommed onto it more is I'm actually learning things about like Sahithi Gala. Like I didn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, right, right. right. And yeah. there's a lot of focus on him. Mm-hmm. The Tony Finau one was great, except I think that they went a bit over in trying to sell the narrative. Like the narrative was essentially like. 
Does he spend too much time focusing on his family? He's got five kids and everything, right? He's such an amazing... It's always the downfall for people, families. Yeah, know? and I was like, this is a hard line to take. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they drew it. They drew that line in the sand. But then Finau went and won back-to-back tournaments while on tour, while they were filming. And that sort of destroyed the narrative that he was really distracted, right? Like, he, he kind of won a lot of money mm-hmm. and i don't know i mean i i but overall uh it's a good watch the joel damon stuff was good too uh chayton and surrey what we learned i learned that the new clippers arena being built at an estimated two billion dollars is set to open in 2024 and the most exciting aspect of it um that steve Ballmer is excited about is it will have 1160 toilets and urinals yeah do we have the audio from Steve Ballmer, who um, he doesn't former, talk; he just yells. Former Microsoft executive, um, he's been he's gone viral a few times for his excitement, uh, and he was very very excited about the new Clippers Arena. Toilets, eleven hundred sixty toilets and urinals, three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals. We do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats. He is. <laughs> Chris Farley? Like, I, that I, was Farley. That was Farley. I was, I was, trying, I was, I was searching I in my mind. Boys. I was like, who is that? That's Farley. I got weights and fish from that, too, when I heard it. Yeah. It sort of had the weights and fish vibe. Toilets! Yeah. And, and he, didn't, he didn't play the end of it, but then he goes on this thing about clocks. He's like, clocks! I, Toilets! I, we need Honestly, that to drop. I, 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 I'd get excited about that rogers arena <laughs> by the way rogers arena has now become dated it's can we can we all agree with that like it's yeah. it's gone i still like rogers arena i like i like the sports views bar was a nice upgrade sports sure. bar was a nice upgrade yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, listen i i love the views from the seats i think overall it's got most of what you want in an arena mm-hmm. it's looking tired though man you know it's what it's tired the, se- the seats are tired yeah. you just you just look around you toilets! need more toilets <laughs> Waiting in line for the toilet. Toilets. Do you ever feel Do you ever feel bad for for women when you go to sports events and you're like, look at the lineup. Yeah. To the bathroom. Yeah. Um, How many times if you if you're on if okay this is a question for the listeners you're going to a hockey game at Rogers Arena. How many times are you using the facilities? I try to do never. Never. I try. Do you to. just not drink? No, I do. I just, I don't what do you break? Would you go? Would you go the seats or something like that? No, just, is I mean, anyone if, watching? If I can, if, if I can avoid, do you going... have one of those stadium bladders that you wear on, uh, like, in your pants? No. Yeah. Like, no. oh, there's the seat peeing guy. We <laughs> <laughs> heard about this guy. Look, he, Jimmy, it's the seat peeing guy. How do you go none though? I'm no, no, no. I'm, I said I try to. I'm like, two if I or have three to... times, and if I have the opportunity, I go. If I see a bathroom that doesn't have a long line, I'm like, I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going. If I have the opportunity to go, I go because I love to go to those seats. They're so nice. I guess I have I have great bladicular fortitude. That's what I. Bruff like just to likes to it. plan yeah. out his bathroom breaks, and you know, he's yeah. got to think ahead of time. Um, where are you going to go? See, we when got text in here once a period, uh, two P's usually. Yeah. Who are these? People? And then oftentimes at the end of the game, you have to go because you don't know that it's a wild card. Getting like if you have to take an Uber or a cab home, you don't know how long you're going to take. You're there it's for like three take... hours. You have to go to the bathroom three times. <laughs> Yeah. What is Jason, wrong with these people? Jason's old. We're alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> Even then. <laughs> uh, I try. Yeah. I mean, I, well, like, Eddie, like, once you reach a certain age, I guess. Let's, let's be point. honest. There's like, there's probably, 
not like going uh, like a trough is bad. Mm-hmm. The trough is terrible. But they don't have troughs anymore. Where's the who only is the who, sports who, 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 who is the trough? Who is the sports Nat reporter again? A yeah, it's got a it's got a pee trough. Wall. Oh, I usually go in the like uh, the the temporary. You know the ones out, outside. I don't use the inside ones anymore. Um, Remember the I, tweet of the sports reporter where he thought it was a <laughs> he mistook the hand washing facilities. <laughs> oh for yeah, a pee trough. My buddy yeah. needs one of these. My buddy did that at BC Place <laughs> yeah. when BC Place was new. There's what one at BC Place right, and people are like. Uh, excuse me, I'd like to wash my hands. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing in the sink, dude? I oh my god! I, like okay, and then hockey games are one thing because there's like eighteen thousand people. <laughs> I like I've been to a football game. God, where was the last one I went to? Oh, I went to a Monday night football game in San Francisco. There's sixty five thousand people there. Yeah, some of the facilities were just atrocious. Like I'm like, was this a candlestick? Uh, no, the new one. Oh, you went, or you went to the Santa new one. Clara. Santa Clara. Yeah. yeah. Even there. And mm-hmm. a, a ra- new, I was like, that bathroom's a war crime. Like, that thing is awful. Like, right. I don't know what's going on there. And I felt like there's people that have to utilize the facilities mm-hmm. in a sit-down manner. And I just, I'm like, I, I prayed for the one guy. I'm like, God bless you, man. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm sure there's... Andy's seen a few at festivals. Yeah. Some, like, that's, yeah. Well, we, have, we have some pretty famous music venues yeah. here that have storied. Uh, I remember going to Edge Fest and being like that whole row of porta potties. Ever, ever go to the Cobalt? Right? Their washroom is. The cobalt is, uh, famous, cobalt is tough. Yeah. Famous. Cobalt stuff. The Cobalt? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you go there for music concerts? Yeah, you'd play there. It's like a metal bar. Did you just call it a music concert? No, because it <laughs> used to be. Your music there, there used to be different types of shows at the Cobalt. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I like I like this text. Well, we man. aren't young like you, laddie. The older you get, the more often you need to go, and oftentimes, the longer it takes you to start. <laughs> The text message. Come on, I'm missing the second period I'm here. I'm sorry. Come on, that. someone make a water sound. The, the text message in mask is a disaster right now, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> We're going to let it go. We're just going to go because the music is playing now and we have to go home. Uh, Breath will be back tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow, but we'll both be back on Friday. Uh, so enjoy, everyone. Signing off for now, though, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Breath. He's been A-Dog. And he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. We got weights and fish. The People's Show with Bick Nazar, where you're part of the show. Download the podcast on demand through your favorite podcast app. Time.